0: Welcome to the Republic of Consciousness podcast for small presses, wait for it, the Republic of Consciousness Prize for Small Presses shortlist special. With me to discuss the six books on the shortlist are the three judges. David Collard, critic and writer for such august literary journals as the TLS and Literary Review, David has been a supporter of the prize since its earliest days. Catherine Taylor, critic and writer for such august journals as The Guardian and The Financial Times. And Niven Govindan. Niven has written four novels and his new novel, This Brutal House, is published in June of this year. Uh, welcome to all of you. Um, just Sorry, to stony <laughs> glares <Hello>. all around <laughs> <hi>. <laughs> um, hey, I
1: will
0: little. now adjust volumes because everybody has perked up since the... Um, since the uh we did the volumes on the so
2: we're actually recording
0: this. we are recording this because
3: there's a bag of donuts on the table
0: don't worry Um, okay um right uh for those people who have already had a look at the shortlist they will have noticed there are three literary biographies um it will become clear they are very different when we talk about all of the books but before we talk about them individually um, do any of you have any thoughts of why we might have three literary biographies um, apart from three very good literary biographies were submitted?
1: Which literary biographies? Are those? Uh,
0: we have Murmur is a biography, a literary biography of. Well, I decided to disguise literary biography of Alan Turing. Lucia is a uh, biographical novel about uh, Lucia Joyce, and Kitsch is a. Biographical novel about Lord Kitchener, one of the great singers of uh, mid-century Calypso.
1: I think, uh, I don't know if David and Niven... I I think actually that, you know, lives are ripe for fictitious treatment. And I think it's not just the books on this list that we've seen. I mean, there's a a huge instance of um, biographical fiction, if you like, or... um,
0: is this not new it just happens to be we had yeah, to I, th- really th- I good don't ones. think
1: it's new I think it's 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 something that's happening at the moment but I don't I think it's not necessarily new for the, uh, new for this list what, 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 what do you think oh, I think
3: th- of you <laughs>
2: well I I think a life is a relatively stable foundation on which to build
1: mm-hmm.
2: daring or experimental prose fictions you have to start somewhere in the case of Lucia Joyce, we'll get onto that, I suppose. He, um, she's an absence in her own life, and that's reflected in the novel. In the case of Lord Kitchener, there's a closer approximation, I think, to a, a standard biography, but written in an, an absolutely compelling and engaging uh, Trinidadian patois. And in the case of Murmur, well, we'll get onto that as well. But I, I think, um, repeatedly looking at these novels, I was reminded of my first exposure, I think, to the fictional biography, or the best... <laughs> One of the best. Alma Cogan by Gordon I was Byrne. just
3: thinking of Alma Cogan. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: a f- fantastic immersion into another personality. Mm. Uh, but brilliantly it felt done, so brilliant Or oh, several personalities, um, ours, yes. in
1: a way. It it's did
2: at the time. I'm sure that there are many that predate it, but that, for me, was a watershed novel. Um, quite extraordinary act of uh, kind of and
1: appropriation. And, obviously, it now has its own prize, the Gordon... Well, the yeah. Gordon-Bone Prize has sort of mm-hmm. come out of, of his body of work. I think, also, um, it's a way of reclaiming stories, of, of forgotten stories... Uh, perhaps I've just finished reading a new book about, um, a novel about, the, uh, not about the Lord Lucan case, but actually about the nanny who was murdered yeah. and ima- reimagining her life. And I think it's a way of f- focusing on a different part of a biography and perhaps a sort of microcosm of that, that sort of historical knowledge And as well.
3: revising the point, the common point of view at the time when yeah. we didn't have the same analytical tools that we do now. I also think the writers aren't as scared to actually mm. tackle other people's lives Because actually how we read life writing and how we approach life writing has really changed since, you know, even since Alma Cogan.
1: It's true, and there are now even creative writing courses on life writing. But I was also as well thinking about... And they're not
3: straight biographies. No, No. that's the point.
1: I think the linear biography, if you're thinking about a true biographical work, the linear biography is something that is still produced, but actually, increasingly, there are all sorts of cases for different kinds of biographies. And, in fact, the, the murmur, which we'll talk about, isn't really, I would say, it's a no. slice no, of some using, aspect.
3: it's using a subject's real life as a jumping point yeah. in terms of how you push fiction forward, and that's kind of what is the common link between all these three, even though they're completely different yeah. books.
0: Are they, are they actually more creative non-fiction than fiction?
1: It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because just, the, just like last week, the Man Book International Longlist was um, announced, and one of the books on there is a hybrid book Fitzcarrado published, The Years, which is Annie Erno's seeming autobiography, you mm. know, but actually it's, it's, it's been, you know, submitted as fiction. So I think it's that, that line is blurring hugely, yes. isn't it? And then we've got the whole auto fiction case, which mm. for many books that we've discussed on this podcast seem mm. to sort of fall under that. Actually. I
3: love The Years. I found that. complicated choice
1: Um, it's a beautiful book it's an
3: amazing book she's phenomenal Um, but you know this is a lot to do with how publishers approach how they publish and not really wanting to really create strong delineations between what is fiction and what is non-fiction and what is the writer's intent so yeah, that's kind of interesting. I think also
2: there's nothing new under the sun. Three hundred years ago, Defoe published Robinson Crusoe, Moll mm-hmm. Flanders. We had the Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. These are all, in a way, takes on the biographical or autobiographical form, form of first-person narratives, highly unreliable.
0: <laughs> God, um, <thank> you, Catherine, <laughs> your, Uber, yes. your Uber's here, Catherine. <laughs> um, okay, so um, Catherine, um, let's let's move on to the onto the books. Uh, um, uh, Because you're an old hand at this podcast, I thought I'd start with you. Great. Um, uh, And and Will Eve's Murmur, uh, published by CBE Editions, uh, which we've just learned today has been uh, shortlisted for... Longlisted. Longlisted. Do Do they move to a shortlist?
1: Yeah, the shortlist is in two weeks.
0: Okay, so longlisted. So it's already been longlisted for the Welcome Prize. Um, it was shortlisted for the Goldsmiths Prize for Fiction's most fi- uh, fiction is most novel, and it's now been longlisted for the Rathbone Folio Prize. So, it's, it's I think the first chapter was also shortlisted for the BBC Short it was, Story yeah.
2: yes. Prize last year. Yeah, right? well,
1: you've had enough accolades. Yeah. Sure. So, um, yeah, can I read a tiny? I know we're having readings this week, but can I read a tiny bit? Yes, just, absolutely. Just bit? Um, this is from uh, page fifty-seven, early part. Um, uh, "'When I look back out of my struck portal at Pryor, "'half incorporated with the skull, "'the sun is both brighter and differently-hued. "'It passes overhead swiftly. "'Night falls. Another sun rises and sets. "'Its arc across the sky pivots. "'Days shudder into weeks and months. "'Colonel Stalbrook and his helpmate dwindle. "'They're blurred by age and pulsing skies, "'the lantern flicker of advancing years.' With a wild look, as if at last conceding something known, but never said or confronted, they're reflected in the shaman's eyeless abstraction of self, the confirmation of their loss. They see reflected, sorry. fandelte wrinkles, white hair shriveling, the skin sucked back, a humbling that now accelerates. Stark, for perhaps one full second, two skeletons, their jaws unhinged, their bones dancing slowly apart, illuminate the onset of a longer night. The lake freezes ice calls to ice and priors raised and summoning hand is frosted black so this novel by will Eaves um is is an imagined uh, part of life of the life of um alan turing uh who obviously people know for cracking the enigma code but also um for being um having chemical cast- castration because he was um, he was a gay man in the 40, 40s and 50s, I mean, and he later committed suicide at the age of 41. So he has a huge backstory, and um, Will is a very experienced um, novelist and poet, and I think why I wanted to read an excerpt is just to show how this book is made up, really, of a sort of hallucinatory dream sequence where the Alan Turing character, Alec Pryor, at this moment of his... Life when he's facing this horrendous operation uh, and this this choice, in fact, uh, which was no choice at all, is looking back on ap- aspects of his life and an early romance, and um, and it's all sort of conflating into sort of one dream sequence. But it's it's a book that really is looking at. I think it's looking at um, betrayal. It's looking at um, scandalous treatments of one individual who did so much for this country if you want to look at that have our sort mm. of great britain mm. aspect mm. but it's also really a book a, about how a book can really interweave and enmesh just in terms of the language and the playfulness. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of work of genius. If anyone said, oh, actually, you'll be reading a book about a mathematician and a crypto analyst and you'll mm. find it in the most extraordinary and poetic book that you've ever, you know, one of the most extraordinary poetic novels or literary biographies mm. that you've ever read, I'd have been surprised. But I think that's just the way it comes across, you know, and it's a book that you can't really capture. No. It keeps escaping from you. It's a bit like Quicksilver going through your fingers. Mm. and
3: But that's what consciousness is. Yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what's so, the beauty of it.
1: And I think that's why it's interesting about this book is that it's been actually but it's been on a list for many different kinds of prizes and The Welcome is an interesting one which is also on the long list for because that's a prize for science and writing and humanities as well. Mm. So I think it... And medicine. And medicine. So I think it, it's, it's just fascinating the kind of Audiences, this can reach without being people being kind of put off by its. Um,
0: I mean, he sort of decided this is going to be. Um, mm. he's, I don't know how, how what process he went through, but it seems to me that he had an idea and said, "I'm going to make this only an act of the imagination." Yeah. Um, and therefore, at times it's it's beautiful. At times it's lucid. And times it's baffling. It's really mm. trippy.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, it's very really trippy. trippy. I mean, that's that. Uh, yeah. When I say hallucinatory, I yeah. also meant almost meant hallucinated. Janet. you yes. know it's yes. sort of I mean, you
2: chose a beautiful passage to read a lyrical passage well i think that's Williams what i wanted to get across, across uh, through
1: the ice yes. the frozen black hand and mm. also how one often thinks of memory sorry one often thinks of memory like that That mm. that's frozen in mm. in time and it has it's delineated in kind of curious and often nightmarish ways and but i think it that still does, moves
3: forward it's not self-indulgent mm. Mm. Mm you know a, it's not. It's, it's about consciousness, but it's not stream of consciousness. No. It's very, very precise. Mm. And yeah. it
0: has an. It, it hasn't. I mean, I've read it twice. and It has an internal structure that is. Is I think is reve- Is going to be revealed the more one reads it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It, it, is, it is. It is a cleverer book than I am. Um, <laughs> and so I have to. I have to. I am. Each reading, I. I'm going to. I, I will be. I will be cleverer for it. But I will be he will reveal to yes. me
2: <laughs> what, i think i was, was so his, pleased yeah. you said that
0: because I, I felt myself being flattered
2: by Willie's into being smarter than i really am because I, I seem to understand these highly abstruse interrogations of consciousness and artificial intelligence because what he does perfectly like gordon byrne with alma kogan he nails the voice of alec Pryor, who is mm. the as it were avatar mm. of the real life alan turing this this highly educated highly inter- intellectual uh, a voice which has a, a lot of classical references at, at its disposal. The Ovid and the Metamorphoses mm. permeates um, all mm-hmm. of all of Murma beautifully. It's not overwrought at all. Um, but I, I, I did feel rather, rather sort of smarter by the end of it than I did at the start. And and he he manages to communicate the most complex ideas very he, lucidly. He, he in, doesn't in also clarity. think what
1: Niven was saying about. Obviously, it's not the dream sequence. It's got proper structure. Mm. The research as well, because we're thinking about the historical period in which it's set. Yeah. You know, he does refer to Bletchley and, you know, all of that sort of we're now familiar with. And the Festival you know. of Britain. Yeah. But he's not
3: burdened down by the weight of research yeah. no. or by the weight of Turing's reputation. And I think that's what's so great about it. Is that it's so fr- um, free flowing, mm. and it's it's just constantly about you know talking to you about ideas and consciousness, and you're thinking about your own ideas and your own consciousness as you read it. But it's, very, it's,
0: in, it's very intimate, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's talking and, and, to and, you. And, and, and it's vo- very
3: humane.
1: Yeah, and
0: the, yeah. And, the, and it is a novel of voice. I mean, cause we ha- like a, and and they are in the end all the voices. Well, hence of, the
1: title. Yeah, I suppose.
0: But yeah, but 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 when we when we read the letters. The imaginary letters from June. Mm. Um, one is one is in a uh, in a particular mid-century world where where those, you know, um, that voice is very kind of resonant.
2: <laughs> that, and, uh,
1: those articulations yeah. from, from that, that period, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yes, a so
2: partially epistolary novel in that respect, yeah. and the letters strike one as being terribly authentic and, and, and persuasive. Yes. But they they serve, I think, beautifully to to separate the dreamy sequences that come between them, the memories yeah. and the the, the the hallucinogenic, I think, is exactly the word. And for, also for what what what's interesting these. I
3: think is, in another writer's hands it might have just been a book of letters, or it might have just been a straight-up kind of the historical of treatment, of treatment. Yeah, or, or, of or just a pure stream of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. But he's so clever and seemingly fearless mm. that he he does it all and he doesn't make it doesn't feel like it's hard work
1: it's a bold yeah. move and it's also not a very long book I mean I think I always sort of you know mm. it's what is it 100, 170 pages mm. I mean to do all that I mean that's one of the things that really struck me when we got to long listing stage is that mm. sort of achievement of actually getting it all and it doesn't overstay down. its welcome yeah, no. I mean,
3: which I think it's is it's important it, yeah, I
0: mean there's, there's a, there's a it, it's really difficult to be to, to make something very uh, uh, condensed without mm. making it dense to, um, and and he's, he achieves that in terms I mean, it 's both dreamy and it has very explicit dream sequences
1: i 'm thinking of the swimming scene, yeah, yeah. which is one of the most you know stunning in the book with yeah, the two the yeah. two young men um, but also when he
0: goes to visit his his he goes with june he goes with June to visit his mother and his brother and it it, it only begins to unfold very slowly that he's actually in fact in a, uh, it's a dream sequence, um, Hmm. that that it was in fact a dream and then he goes on to to uh, analyse that dream
2: There's a lot of literal smoke and mirrors in the novel which yes. I found very uh, engaging and often not confusing but attractively baffling and a second reading it deserves and repays a second reading, a third reading I think would also it's reveal pro- further treasures in this extraordinary novel. Yeah and it's novel. a
1: profoundly moving book really isn't it and I think wonder how much we're talking about literary biography, is about how much we're freighted someone told me never to use that word again in a freighted, review so freighted. i'm using it fully in this <laughs> podcast but how much we're freighted oh, with our, for you. our foreknowledge about turing and about you know because there's always a story about turing and of course there's an anniversary this year you know and mm. i think it's how do we read you know how can we sort of shuffle that aside and let's think about and what What's I'm rather page. pleased
0: about, we've got through, we've been talking about this now actually for quite a long time, and no one has mentioned artificial intelligence. Because actually I think that's a cul-de-sac and a little red herring. I don't think it's about that. I mean, there are, there are it talks about it, and you know, Turing was very interested in it, but it, that dehumanises and makes, makes much more kind of um, scientific and, uh, than, than this this novel.
2: Well it's about consciousness and and, um, Turing prior has a few riffs on artificial intelligence Mm. becoming self-aware and Mm. how how that would work out Mm. and how much he dislikes the science fiction take you know the amazing stories version of machines taking over Mm. the planet because as Turing says why would they bother uh, (laughs) what's in it for them um there is there is that yes it's about consciousness Mm. it's not particularly about artificial intelligence but about about an awareness of who and what we are yes which and is one of the there's big one questions, moment One of said, the hard questions.
0: When he said, well, you know, if machines become conscious, or, or get consciousness, we won't know it, because their version of consciousness will be so different to ours, we won't recognise. They, they, they may, you know, and that's a really, I mean, I'd never thought about it. We, we assume mm. that we're building these machines to have consciousness, because we're trying to building, we, we assume they're going to have what we recognise as human consciousness, it's but yep. he's saying actually they may... Consciousness may be something that we do not recognize.
2: It's a variant on Wittgenstein's trope that, that if a lion could speak, we wouldn't understand yeah. it.
1: I think um, also we're looking into a scientist and scientific mind here, aren't we? You know, so we're, we're being taught to look differently at yeah. our own minds, as Niven was saying, you know, and I think it's, that comes across mm. particularly strongly with, with what we've just discussed here.
0: Okay, so we move on to um, sort of formally uh, a very different uh, literary. Uh, biography, which is which is Kitch, um, which is a kind of more kind of maximalist approach to <laughs> rendering a life. Um, it's a, it's a bigger, it's a more that the the colours are richer and deeper and more varied. Um, uh, it's a book about Lord Kitchener, um, who is clearly not the Lord Kitchener of, <laughs> of history. So, never tell us about Kitsch
3: So, what's interesting is that. On the cover, they bill it as a fictional biography of a Calypso icon. And out of all the books on the list, this is the one that, for me, is sort of the beacon of what we think of as life writing in fiction can do. So, basically, it's charting... Auntie Joseph, the writer, is charting the life of Kitsch from being a kid in the country who who knows he can sing to then, you know, becoming this massive icon and traveling overseas so it's the full journey but he's using different voices throughout every chapter is a different voice so a friend in the village to someone in the city to a punter to a fellow musician um to a wife and all the voices are completely different but what's what connects everything is the fact that it's it's such a technicolor
0: Yes. Novel,
3: so you feel it, you smell it, you hear it. It's incredibly musical, mm. and even though Kitch is cons- you know, is by um, by the way of the writing, is only ever in the third person. He's completely alive in every single chapter. He is not removed in any way. He is ever present, and it's um, just beguiling and addictive and just alive. Yes,
0: uh, and we should say it's published by Pippa Press um it is but yes it, uh, for me it's 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 a it's a, a book of sense sensory um experiences it doesn't fit when i when i think about about reading about it i'm actually i'm actually i'm kind of in the places rather than thinking about necessarily ideas or or um i'm just i'm i'm kind of there because it's he's he's trying to render um, as I said it's a kind of maximalist approach it's tr- he's trying to render all of the century experience all of the experience of being a singer all of the experience of being a singer that has to travel has to kind of take his his. what is a very a kind of pure I mean, what I love about the beginning and I think I've said this before what I love about the beginning is, is you, you understand that here is a here is a man who just has extraordinary natural talent and Do we mean Lord Kitchener yes. or, or Anthony Joseph's No, sorry, author. sorry. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Lord Kitchener. Because well, I, I agree in both cases. Yeah, but what he, but what, what he, what uh, he yeah. does is he's, he makes it very clear that, that this was, a, this was an, uh, a time when natural talent would... Your village would recognise your natural talent and your village would want you to go yes. to the city. And then you, then you plied your natural talent in the city and if the city agreed and you worked hard and you lived in a bordello you know you would <laughs> you, you would you, you would you would find your way and it's never really it's never really about anything other than can you deliver the can you deliver that that the intangibles of the art form that was calypso yeah. that people care deeply about yeah. and we've lost you know the western world has lost all of that
3: but it's it's and it, it really addresses that creative question really well he is very talented but the book is really charting how um, what makes a very talented but ambitious kid push himself forward. Yeah. There's hundreds of very talented people throughout this book who all fall by the wayside, who don't have what he yeah. has. And it isn't just about talent. It is about power and determination. It's yeah. about being in the right place at the right time. It's about having a common touch. It's about being mm. relatable to people. So it's kind of about all those things. And, you know, it's the most musical... Mm. It's very hard to write about music yeah. in, a way that, God, yes. <laughs> in a way that feels really natural without having to then, for a book then, to act as a primer into 50s calypso, yeah. you know, etc. It reminded me very much of Richard Powers' The Time of Our Singing, mm-hmm. um, which was about a gospel singer. I mean, this is, what, 10, 15 years ago? And again, it, that was a really interesting book in the, in the way that it made you think about... What it takes just to sing and to have music in you, without really having to hammer that point through. Just you know, that must have been a very difficult book to write, Kitch. But I think it feels very. um, Didn't it come out
2: of a PhD research by the author, which is in itself a slightly surprising Mm -hmm. because it's such a wonderful literary novel. It is, and you're kind of propelled along by this
1: with this energy, aren't you? I mean, would you call it a polyphonic novel just because of all the different voices in it, or do you think they're separate?
2: Polyvocal.
1: Voices. Sorry, polyvocal. Polyphonic, I would call it polyphonic. That would be, that would
2: be multiple sounds, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, but that depends you know, no, how it, you... Yeah, you know, I'm saying this because polyvocals. I have all
2: polysensory. No, because I have a form it's of... Polysaturate. It's saturated technically, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just so technical. Yeah, what saturated saturated I was trying to say so.
1: was that I've got a form of synesthesia, which means that there are different levels on which I read. So when I say polyphonic, I actually do mean polyphonic because I can hear different things coming out, and particularly just to this book, because you are... You know, you are driven along by it, aren't you? It's very exciting. A persuasive uh, yeah. stretch of writing. And also, I'm really, yes. I'm really
3: interested in, in his choices because, obviously, this book is... You feel the weight of research in this book mm. in the way that you have to because of the amount of people that are involved in telling Kitsch's story. Mm. But in in every single chapter, every single voice seems to sing. They don't feel formulated. It doesn't feel plotty. It Every... Chapter feels alive because Kitchen, that moment in mm. which they interact, is alive. Mm. So it just, um, it's a really light book.
2: And it's also an education, at least it was for
3: me, because me, I grew please. up
2: exposed mm. to the sort of Calypso song by Lance Percival on Radio 4. They were dreadful, <laughs> kind of satirical bits of nonsense. Um, but I went back and I, I've discovered now Harry Belafonte and, and Sir Lancelot, I recommend to yeah, your yeah. attention. Um, and, and, of course, Lord, Lord Kitchener. I think he's, re- he's recently attracted attention because his great song London Belongs to Me is, is featured London in the is Paddington. The place for me, London is yeah. the place for me, sorry. It's is featured in the Paddington movie. Oh, um, um, really?
3: Um, I mean, it's a huge... New generation discovering the beauty of that, Um, and the other thing, of course, is just in terms of a historical book that has a place in terms of how we think of society now. Mm. You know, he moved to England, and so you know, this is very much kind of a Windrush book, yeah, absolutely what i love about this book is the first half where he's in the caribbean and he's trying to make his way that's really alive but the second half where he actually moves overseas and you know he's living up yeah. north mm, yes. and he's trying to make a name for himself it's just a really really fantastic piece of
2: the the description of the arrival of the windrush in tilbury is is a superb piece of but writing but just out you
3: the, know the the sort of day to day of being you know A man of colour living up north, living with a white woman. I mean, it's fantastic. It's so brilliantly done and it's such an essential. I think it's also really, you're
1: absolutely saying it's a really important book for our kind of narrow, you know, insular way that we're supposed to now look at ourselves as a country. And I think it's really important to have this kind of book, you know. Yeah, the contribution
3: in terms of what it adds to the literature of the history of this country, I think, is fantastic. It's it's a tale
2: worth telling. I think it's a a tale worth filming. I I think it would make a wonderful uh, movie.
0: Okay, um, uh, moving on to Lucia, which is uh, by uh, Alex Phoebe, published by Galley Beggar. Um, this is a a very different rendering of a central character, um, Lucia Joyce. Um, David? Yes, yeah, very different. Um, it's
2: Alex Phoebe's second novel, I believe. Um, the previous one, Playthings, was, mm. I think... in a way responsible Neil for us first meeting we Mm. exchanged emails when I I wrote something about it being a very fine neuro novel and you you the first
0: neuro novel the the best
2: (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you questioned you questioned my take on that and and started a conversation that's still going on several years later so thanks Alex for that Um, Lucia is um, about Lucia Joyce but she's a void at the heart of the novel um, we, we really find out more about those people who crossed her path during her very troubled uh, adolescence and later life, which was tragic beyond description, really. She was mm-hmm. locked away in various institutions and asylums for most of her life, following a, a rather troubled adolescence, but really, seem, which seems to me to be more high spirits than any kind of mental derangement. But um, we can dig into that perhaps a little. It's an extraordinary um, novel, structurally. It, it, it yokes together an Egyptian archaeological dig in the 1920s the Egyptian book of the dead itself and episodes in the life of Lucia Joyce in various uh, institutions and encounters with other figures uh, during her short-lived career as a dancer and of course her father uh, James Joyce and uh, uh, her acquaintance with with Samuel Beckett but she's absent throughout, she has no agency she has very little presence Um, so it's Not a conventional biography at all. But what makes it special, I think, um, when you get to the end, is that Alex Phoebe as an author performs something so utterly and literally magical he conjures the troubled spirit of Lucia Joyce into a serene afterlife using methods he he finds in the Egyptian Book of the Dead. I know this sounds like an odd sell. He uses the Book of the Dead and the ritual of the Egyptian Book of the Dead to recover her soul and to grant it eternal rest. I, I was in a complete puddle reading these final pages of literature. I couldn't believe, A, that I could be so moved, or B, an author could attempt something so brave and original and, and breathtaking and audacious. He and saves he, a
0: soul with Yes, this but he does it... It's, it's, for me, and I found the, the, the last however many pages deeply moving, um, um, I felt properly sort of slightly transformed because he, two things happen during the novel. There's one, she's not present. She has no sense of agency. But also it's, it's, he's, there is no sentimentality in this, this work. He is, he is, um, it is very coolly observed and the choices he makes are very cool. I mean, I, 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 I know, I've, talk to people who, who keep challenging this idea that I couldn't recall, but he is, he, it is not a work that he, where he's trying to manipulate how we think about this person at all. He's, he's laying out various ways to think about um, how Lucia Joyce was treated. Um, and in doing that, it's a, that's a very high risk
3: enterprise i think yeah it it is because i think you do have the risk of alienating people unless you read the book all the way through Mm. because i think the end you're right is the payoff and it basically then revises how you think about the book as you were reading it because i think for me the remove i did find problematic and it wasn't really until i got to the end because i really i get why he did it but i really would have liked her to have had some agency in the book. But then when you get to the end of the book, you see what his intention was. So that's kind of where the impact of yes. the book is for sure.
2: It's what the book's about in that case, but it's not what it's for. And what it's for is this redemption. Of course, yeah, she absolutely. had no agency in real life. This is the point yeah. from the age of whatever. I think we're going back, and yeah, and I think we're, we're going
1: back to David, what you're saying about way she, the way she was institutionalised, uh, essentially, is that something that actually was not uncommon, you know, from... Mm-hmm. from that period and earlier for women who are saying about high spirits or maybe would, um, you know, become pregnant or... Um, had an opinion. Had yeah. an opinion. It it's a bit <laughs> awkward. Many writers have touched on this subject, I mean Maggie O'Farrell touched on it with The Vanishing Esme Lennox uh, there was, I remember when I was young there was a play with Peggy Ashcroft in it about called She's Been Away I think it was a Stephen Poliakoff um, and it was again about this elderly woman who nobody knew was an aunt in the family who'd just been mm. you know, she'd been locked away for years for indiscretion, yeah absolutely It was,
2: it was nunneries or asylums absolutely. Or just to, to so I think perturbing it's perturbing women out of circulation
1: Yes, yes and I think uh I think the, the Lucia Joyce story has been one that has been poured over and has been documented and has been a bothersome and worrying part of the James Joyce, you know, um, mm. canon, almost another aspect to it. And I absolutely agree with Niven. I'm very disturbed by, you know, her being absent and and Ashley, I have to say, a man having that kind of, not ventriloquism exactly, but having the saviour role, you know, but that doesn't detract from the... The beautiful way in which it is written, expressed, or uh, the way it evolves, actually, and I think it is something that you do have to put aside a lot of prejudices to to you know to believe in to go all the way through and sort of get to that rather but serene. Is, I, is, think, but I think it
3: rewards a second reading. This, book, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I
0: think so too, and I think, but there is that central there is that central moment in the middle, I, so which which is I think is 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 an extraordinary tour de force, which is the 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 um I don't want to give it it's kind of spoiler alert but I don't think it matters is is it, is, is the death of the little match girl oh
2: yes and the yes. Hans well, Christian Andersen yeah, story she, she
0: appeared or maybe ended up on the cutting
2: room floor for Jean Renoir's version of the Hans Christian Andersen
0: story right that was her brief but, but, her brief yeah. encounter with the film and so and so the it, so as I said, there's nothing yeah. sentimental about this book isn't but but he he, he retells yes. the story. Of the little match girl, um, and it is her 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 death is deeply deeply moving. I mean, it's it's a very sad story anyway, but but it's uh, uh, and for me there is just it's it's it kind of feels like a a detour that's kind of that's just emotionally orientating me. To what is eventually going to happen mm. um and then there's the, but but then, it's a
3: book of detours in a way yes, yes it is yes yes, yes. Know, in, the, in the way that it jumps about and the other thing that I, th- I thought a lot about this book more than other books was as i was reading was very much about you know who gets to say what a writer can and can't write about and how they treat that work mm. i think we have very high and very different expectations now in terms of not so much the responsibility we place on writers but what we expect them to do with the work mm-hmm. and this basic, this is a book that very much upends your expectations mm-hmm. i think as you're reading it and it constantly mm-hmm. challenges you your expectations of what you want from a piece of work as you read it until you get to the end, mm. and then you can put everything that you've read and thought and felt into a different context.
0: Yes, and it, this is, for me, and I can mm. i have never been able to put, put, put my finger on it, some passages are written in, in the most unusual register. They're sort of—they're kind of slightly conversational, slightly vernacular, a little bit ironic. Yes, but they're not. They're, and but they're not. He doesn't attempt to be.
3: He's not attempting to kind of poeticise. He wants to write a novel of voices where the central figure has no voice. I think so. He's experimenting
1: with lots of different voices. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say polyphonic again.
2: Uh, Uh, (laughs) Um, A particularly good example, I think, um, a slight one in a way, is the voice of uh, one of Lucia's, um, I'm doing air quotes here, carers uh, in a Swiss institution mm. and who describes the process whereby she's given forced baths and uh, yeah. wrapped in in, in in towels and submersed mm. and the, the utter cruelty and sadism mm. of the treatment but it's mm. told in this rather matter of fact pedantic and mm. in a way highly professional voice which is really blood curdling. Mm. Um, because there's
1: no compassion in There's there. no compassion at mm. all no, that's uh, just, uh, and that's, that's just one example
2: of ones. how Phoebe I think has a brilliant talent for uh, creating a voice and a, a whole set of values and attitudes and then delivering them without, so to speak, mediation. Mm. And we're left to figure it out and pick the bones out mm. of it for ourselves. Coming back to The Match Girl, I can't have a feeling that early death was a, a good way of triggering our responses for what amounts to an extended afterlife mm. for Lucia, decades spent in an old yes. asylum yes. In, in a kind of uh, it was a penumbra of life, really, that without visitors, without human contact, with, with very little, by way of consolation, or, or palliation. I, I wanted to find out whether she was ever able to read her father's books in later life, whether she had access to them, and whether she.
3: I doubt she had access to anything.
2: <laughs> well, th- interestingly, a copy of, of Deirdre Baer's biography of Samuel Beckett was found in her possession, came up for sale uh, heavily annotated. I wonder how that came into possession. You don't know the.
1: But I wonder. Um, a, know,
2: but I, 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 wonder I like to think that she might have found at least a little bit of consolation
0: in later life by. By
2: reading *Finnegans Wake* quietly too.
0: <laughs>
1: That's very nice of you, David. Mm. <laughs> I don't. Know, I, don't know <laughs> I, I,
0: I think she might have thought he could have spent a little more time thinking about me than uh, well, six hundred pages of punning.
2: Uh,
1: well, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I, I, they shared this language. A lot of there's a lot of Lucia in *Finnegans Wake*.
1: By well, all absolutely. And,
2: and I think the antagonism principally was between her and her mother, between her and Nora. Uh, as I understand, the I just brother. wonder how much she was and, and ever allowed to be
1: her own person, and I think that's what you know what this novel sort of yes. is trying yeah. to And Phoebe share very
2: tactfully it. investigates the possibility of abuse and possibly incest, uh, yeah. uh, which is harrowing, and I found very plausible.
1: I think it, that I think it is quite plausible. I think what's what Niven's saying. Often, when I interview fiction writers, I ask them, sorry, when I interview fiction writers, I ask them, was is there anything that you wouldn't write about? You know, and I think that's something that Phoebe has kind of achieved in this but he's almost written about almost you know anything that we could think was verboten really hasn't he? It's a, it's a he?
2: very courageous yeah. achievement and uh, an unusual one.
3: It's a very singular book yeah. I think in terms of the sort of three sort of life writing fictional biography books this was the book that really made me think about how other writers would write about Lucia... Mm. Um, there
1: have been biographies, but not...
3: Not in terms of fiction. I, and you exactly. know, the I, novel next year is I coming think, out yeah. from Anna Vaught, is
0: it? Yes. Oh. Uh, there was a, and there was a novel that won some, kind of, some prize as a first novel two years ago about Lucia Joyce, but very much that... that I don't know about Anna's book, but this was very much a kind of standard, yes. you know...
3: I'm, I think you if could I might... read a short list of six books... There Should be a Lucia prize. I could read yeah. a short list of six books about Lucia and they would all be incredibly different in because fact, she's a e, if you even if you write her in the first person and gave her all the agency in the world, she's incredibly hard to pin down. In fact, can, can I plug a, a graphic novel here? Um, um, off the top of my head by not, on my, not on my watch, you uh, won't.
0: No, uh, well, no, no, this, no. This the
1: graphic novel is it's
2: Daughters. Oh, yeah, It's Mary goodness. and
1: Brian Talbot, um,
2: and it's the daughter of the great Joyce scholar Atherton, who wrote the yeah, books at the wake. No, I'm trying to remember the title. It's Father of My Daughter's Eyes. That's right, and It's won
1: it, loads. Daughter's Eyes. It's won loads eyes. of and lots of awards. It's it's quote and also Many people who don't really know the story of Joyce or even Lucia Joyce even read much James Joyce. Mm. You know, I, I think it is this, actually this quite this exceptional. This could be a
2: Damacy moment for Neil Griffiths. I mean, this is, no, no, it this, is, is, is a, this is a novel that happens to be graphic. How's that? Well, <laughs> I'm getting, I getting believe that you
1: shouldn't
2: have to totally close mind book.
0: when it comes to yeah. it's a wonderful. Book. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, my 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 <laughs> feeling is is and, and is that there is there is that Alex Phoebe, in writing this committed himself to a project that was extremely difficult to realise, mm-hmm. um, and at times I, I I don't know this, even though I vaguely know Alex is, and I haven't spoken to him about this, but at times he must have felt. Um, completely unanchored because not having a character with agency not having a character for which to, to tell the story through must have felt as a writer I think a really difficult um, writing experience An off, and often
1: writers do put you know, particularly in this kind of case where you have a sort of a real person they often do put quite awkwardly characters in yeah. who, who, to tell a story through, and just yeah. doesn't work. It's yeah, so no, clumsy. It yeah, and, a,
2: it uh, you'll remember that one of the chapters is quite heavily redacted for legal reasons yeah. with lots of black marks. Full marks to Gallybeggar Press for backing and supporting a, an exceptional writer well, for the second Joyce, time. Well, if yeah. Joyce
1: weren't out of copyright, James Joyce, weren't out of copyright, you know, I've had dealings with his mm. grandson over mm. many years when I was a publisher. And I'm, uh, I'm not sure
2: you're even allowed to say grandson in a podcast in connection with Joyce because you've got to get the With that person. Up. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So does.
1: I think maybe, you know, there's been a huge, I think yeah. the thing. there's been a huge flowering of, of books about the family and, you know, that uh, obviously and uh, have even come about since since the, the copyright expired. So I think this is we're obviously going to see more. We we'll just discussed there's going to be more.
0: OK, um, let's move on to uh, we've previously spoken about this on this po- on the podcast okay. and Catherine has as well. Um, but it's um, we're going to talk about uh, Sweet Home uh, by Wendy Erskine, published by. Um, Stinging Fly. This is the only uh, work of short stories on our list, um, uh, and it's a, it's it's a much loved book.
1: It's a much loved book, and of course, I'm just reminding myself that actually there aren't that many short stories in it. Well, it's slightly uh, longer
0: than that version. Yeah, yeah, but
1: it's. It's, you know, some of those stories I said in the previous podcast could almost go on to be, you know, at least novella length. Mm. I first came across her when I was reviewing the Stinging Fly 20th Anniversary collection, which, to all their dues, which is the first story in this collection, is, which is, you know, it's a sort of... Again, it's a novel. They're all set in East Belfast. I think there's some one that sort of segues a bit into Newcastle. Um, and she's got such a... I mean, the voice, it's really, it sounds really naff to say that something's authentic, but she has got such an authentic voice for the, the locality, for the characters, for the situations. And again, she's sort of depicting uh, situations that becoming entirely believable, but, um, but there also isn't that kind of, um, there is no sort of authorial kind of, you know, sort of, uh, helicopter author. Mm. You know, like you have a sort of helicopter parents. There's nobody sort of... She's not she's not hovering over her characters and yeah. in a way sort of directing them. They just naturally seem to fall into these situations, into place, and they're all very different situations. We talked before about um, one of the stories, which is uh, one of the standout stories, which is... Um, it's not in, in the one that we've got here, but in, Inish Keen about the... You know, which is one of... Mm. I think... I can't remember who it was. I think it was in our... Was it in our shortlisting discussion? One of our judges, and maybe even Niven, said it was one of the best short stories I've ever read. I don't know if it was Niven.
0: I, I said that. It I, I, you, I, I think if it, you know all yeah. things being equal, it should, should be in every <laughs> anthology of the short story An ever. Idiot, I really poker face here. Well, did, I don't, I
3: don't think I would ever, ever it read it. Doesn't
0: sound like. No, exactly. <laughs> it's not.
1: It's not. But also, I know. Really, <laughs>
0: I really. I, I, she I,
1: is
3: completely natural. Really. She. does. And she's massively confident. She's
1: massively confident because what she does. She's depicted as sort of you know, a Somali migrant family. She's depicted two teenage girls and one. She's depicted this kind of really sort of unpleasant um, um, uh, sort of paramilitary, you know, undercurrents in one of the stories, well, not well, just one of the stories, many of the stories. But she does it, as you say, with absolute bravado mm. and a kind of sense of, well, this is this is it. You know, there's no sort of pretense at artistic flourish. It's just... Um. I'm going to question this is. because
2: I'm going to accuse you here of, of inadvertent sexism. I don't think it's completely natural. I think it's the result of bloody hard work and extraordinary talent. And these stories have been worked into an absolutely sure. perfect finish. Yeah, but, she, but they can come across as seeming Phoebe, natural. would we, that he makes it seem so natural. I know, but <laughs> no, I...
1: But the, the, I said, uh, these are not
2: natural. These the trick, are highly the stylized stories. The
3: trick of it feeling
2: natural... Exactly,
1: that's what I meant.
3: you know...
2: She, she makes it look easy, is yeah, what I'm always saying. Yeah. Yeah. Is, that, and I
1: think it's harder you know. no to no do that often right with a short story off. collection because you don't get so many chances yeah. as you do yeah, with and a novel. And you and know, think you read
3: stories with, a group because, because of their length, I think you read them with a greater sense of scrutiny yes. and there is no slack there's nowhere to hide in a short story so you know the story has to live and breathe on its own terms or you can tell straight away yeah. when something You're has right. been overworked or manipulated i think i think, I think with novels we I mean, can she forgive incredibly natural she's sure. got a great ear for dialogue yeah, she's got a great sense of place and situation she gets to the crux of um Human relationships and how people interact just so amazingly. My, I mean, I think my favourite story is, which I can't remember the title of, is the one of the husband and wife who have the dead child who mm. move back um, and the, the yeah. husband spends most of his time at home and basically strikes up a friendship with, is it the gardener? The gardener initially, yeah. yeah. and, yeah. you know, the and then gardener's, gardener's wife, and wife and their, and their, and their kid. kid. <laughs> I mean, that is just, you know, mm. the, the sense of how she manoeuvres the relationships in that and how it builds up, I just think is incredible. But I, I think it's a, it's a it's question. It's bleak as well, Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, we, I, we've discussed this before. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a great reader of short stories and I can I, I often, often find short stories um, uh, under undernourishing. And it's obvious, often because it's I think- It's I think often people who write short stories aren't entirely sure what a story is.
1: I think that's <laughs> a really I, peculiar thing to say.
0: Uh, it may be peculiar, but it's 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 i i think that she, what she understands is that uh that to 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 write a story you have to have at its heart um uh, an emotional moment that is going to just slightly break apart the characters and and that's it and if that isn't you you can't manufacture that mm. and you can't can't write it in. It has to. You have to. It's. It's about the choices you make about what a story is and what a mm. short story is.
2: I, I think Neil, you, you regard short stories slightly. I can say it this way: they're, they're lobby cards in a world of feature films, aren't they? They. They are those critical moments that are captured uh, to bring an audience into no, something no, which is more no, substantial, it, it, more it, fully realised. I. I don't agree with you on this, but I do think you. you no, you, you I don't. don't have no, a strong, I don't think that. I think. Uh, I think I, for short stories.
0: I, I think the. In a. In a way, I think, they are. They they are not as n- naked as poetry, mm. but I think that they that they uh, you know they, as you say we we give them extra scrutiny because they are they are shorter and we want them to deliver something.
1: I think we can forgive a lot more in a novel. I mean, not every novel, obviously, but, you know, we can all, often, when reviewing a novel... For, for could, yeah, for
3: a novel coasting and having a lot of... Oh, that's a bit baggy huge.
1: there, but it redeemed itself at the yeah, end. Absolutely. It's very hard to do that in a yeah. short story. Yeah. And, you, I
3: th- know. I, you know, not all novelists can write short stories. I think, you know, one of the things that really makes this collection sing is naturalness or not naturalness, whatever, is... The artificial you, naturalness. You get a <laughs> sense of the writer's innate sense of storytelling. Yeah. And you can't teach yeah. that. No, exactly. That's you about either that. have it or you don't. Yeah. And is that's a... what makes this collection sing. And yeah. it's such a joy. I, I mean, I love, love that
1: 77 pop facts you didn't know about Gil Courtney, you know, <gasps> where you basically have, it's almost like, you know, you have little little points from one to however many of the life of this, this And man. in someone
3: else's hands, that would feel really, really contrived. Yeah. And it doesn't.
1: But it isn't. And everything is everything is either you know prosaic. it's a sort of lifts it's prose that's lifted above pros- prosaicness if you like
0: i mean i think you know i i, I think there are fewer poets than there are th- there are fewer real poets than there are poets out there and i think it's the same about the short story writer but there's a you know i mean i know from the submissions from mm. the you know we, we get so many submissions of short stories because it's People like to write short stories and often think they can write short stories. And it's the same with poetry. It's not true. No, this is true. Um, and then suddenly someone comes up and you think, and it, it just, it's something is disclosed, and you kind of go, "I'm completely at home in this, in this, in this, in this short story world."
2: I think Wendy Esking has, has a tremendous talent. This is debut collection. I mm-hmm. I hope she goes on to write many more short stories and novels. I can't wait uh, to see is what she does. After is clearly, is. a year for Belfast writers. Um, 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 yeah. Milkman.
1: And Northern Irish and Northern writers. Irish writers. Yeah, I mean, it's great, isn't it? And I'm really pleased that, that we've got this on the so show. Sweet Home by <laughs> Wendy Erskine. Yeah,
0: I mean, now, okay, well, now we move on to um, Daedalus uh, by Chris McCabe, which is published by Henningham Family Press. Um, Christmas. I mean, talking about poets who are poets, um, Chris McCabe is a poet in the main. This, is this the first novel? He's, he's He has a non fiction. Series, uh, as well, that he's writing about uh, what is it? Like? It's about the, the
2: yeah, about the, the South London cemeteries South and, London and the, the poets cemeteries. buried therein, which yes. I, I not the cemetery in
1: Barnes again. No, 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 <laughs> no connection with Gabriel Garcia
2: And McCabe, Chris McCabe, is a very substantial writer and a, uh, I think a, a, a wonderful poet um and worth investigating his latest collection is called the triumph of cancer now there's a title um but Daedalus is his first novel and only the second novel published by Henningham Family Press who are the artists David and Ping Henningham who have collaborated in the past on producing beautiful um very costly art books that are snapped up by museums and national collections but they've launched into conventional indie publishing um, and this is the second book.
3: This is such a beautiful edition in Isn't terms it of though? the book as an object, this is really
1: We beautiful. did talk about that, didn't Are we, when we had our
2: first How the hell do they do it and, and charge less than 30 quid? Well, I now
1: Legwarm know. is their first one is an, again another beautiful by
2: Pascal Pre- O'Loughlin. Yeah,
1: beautifully presented book.
2: Absolutely, they, they, they go an extra 20 miles when it comes to the choice <laughs> of monk and paper, the, the ink appears to be handmade or hand mixed by artisan ink it, makers. It's blue for it's, one. Uh, it's blue because that's easy easier for people with, who have difficulty reading for whatever reason, people who might have learning difficulties as I understand it um, a great deal of thought, in the case of now leg warmers, because of the, the nature of the material, um, it was done in a slightly larger font like young adult fiction It deliberately was great because it means I can read it without reader. glasses yes, yes, <laughs> <laughs> <like> so. <laughs> yeah. so Daedalus, I think Niven's absolutely right, it is the single most beautiful indie book to come out last year and one of the most beautiful books, period and and uh, the embossed cover the, um, the extraordinary graphic content, uh, trailblazing I can't think of any other novel that features concrete poetry as an integral part of its of its mm. narrative. Mm. So that's, there's a first for you. So between
1: um, those embossed covers...
2: Um, you, you have <laughs> um, uh, Ulysses, uh, reduced, improved, accelerated. Um, it takes a brave writer to overcome the anxiety of influence and take on the greatest novel that will ever be written. And uh, to succeed, he, he manages in the first chapter to... Do a pretty pitch-perfect take on Joyce, the Telemachus episode in Ulysses, mm. um, and thereafter owns it and does all sorts of interesting and surprising things and wrongfoots this reader. Um, uh, I felt as close as it's possible to feel to the original readers of Ulysses back in 1922. What the hell?
1: Mm. And where is he mm.
2: taking me now? And and um, <coughs> so I, I I could clobber you with superlatives. I I think it's a wonderful, uh, daring, remarkable, unusual engaging achievement, uh, beautifully produced and published uh, as a collaboration virtually between publisher and and author.
3: And it's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly. very much a book that really kind of moves about. And, you know, it's really interesting that he is a poet because he seems really fearless of tackling form in in just so many different ways yeah. um and it's not it's not an act of ventriloquism either
2: no he does 18 chapters like um the original he uses hamlet rather than homer as a kind of armature so uh prince hamlet and, and gertrude and other characters from the play come and go on the streets mm. of dublin uh it's contemporary there are uh, it's polyvocalic again you've got Ryanair um, air, Ryan air hostesses. Um, therapists, professional Molly Bloom impersonators, all kinds of contemporary Dubliners have a voice
3: um, in, it's in the It's very interesting that in terms of the um, shortlist, we don't really have any books that are completely linear. Everything really...
1: Well, I was just thinking struck by what David said about being wrong-footed by this book and I'm wondering whether we've not sought to be wrong-footed by the books on the shortlist but whether we... You know, but perhaps that's one of the reasons why they're there. You know, because yeah. they're kind of defied any expectation.
2: I would have settled for a straight sequel to Ulysses, <laughs> Ulysses Two, or Two I would have settled for that two-lysses. if it was written to the level of, of competent, competence and, 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 and virtuosity that yeah. he does at the start. But he doesn't. He, he makes it his own. He owns it. It becomes actually a rather moving exploration of
3: the relationship between Chris McCabe and his, his father. The auto fiction section I just think is phenomenal. Mm. And that's the that's the part I really return to when I think about mm. a lot when I think about this book. Yes and he's you know, again, yes. That itself, also. as a wider book, would have just been amazing.
2: I think so. And a, a flag up, he's got a second novel coming from the same publishers called Mud, which is the Orpheus and Eurydice myth retold um on and under Hampstead Heath uh, using Bit different types closer of to where
1: we are now so,
2: so uh, look out for that I think it's going to be a very interesting that's interesting, interesting isn't
1: it that, that we've also got you know with all of this we've got the myths as well that that, that we had sort of coming yeah, out Ovid, from uh, Lycia uh, and Ovid obviously in Murmur, in Murmur. We're, we're getting quite a huge range actually of yeah. mythological and historical work not just literature biography but I would had to say his historiography in some sense. Yes. Well, it's the reboot of modernism as well, of mm. course, isn't it? The, the, the underneath the page. Can modernism is, be rebooted? Isn't that its fallacy?
0: Was, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Time for another podcast. I, think. <laughs> I, I mean, it it made me it made me restart Ulysses, ah. uh, which and 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 so uh, for that I'm in its debt.
1: I wonder if that will do that for many. You know, whether people read. On its own, or whether they will go back as well. I'd, it's I'd like, to, I'd like it?
2: To think so. It only enriches your appreciation of Daedalus if you happen to know the original. But, but I,
0: I think the important thing is, and, I, and I'm, I, I'm saying this without judgment, it's it's not. A, it is not a standalone piece of work. It is a critical response mm. and a creative response, an artistic mm. response. And uh, you will only have its it, its real impact comes with. With with having some knowledge of its
2: antecedent, I agree. But then you couldn't really enjoy Kitsch fully without listening to Calypso music. You couldn't read Lucia without knowing at least something of Lucia Joyce's unhappy I don't, life. Well, I'm Could not you read sure. I think,
1: uh, about Turing? I mean, I you think can. you
2: have to bring something to the table. I think, but mm-hmm. I, think no, is, I think this
0: is I think this is different because it's 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 writing about it, it's taking a, a novel, if you know the greatest novel in this language, arguably, and it's riffing on it. Um, and yeah. therefore, I think that, and I don't, and it actually, it doesn't. I'm not suggesting that it matters that it's not a stand-alone piece of work. Mm. It doesn't. Why? Why do pieces have to be stand-alone? Of course, they can be referential. Mm. Of course, they can say, you know, read this in in you know in dialogue with another book. I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. But it, but I do think it's, I think it would kind of be disingenuous to say that 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 without having some sense of. Of what Joyce was doing, um this is this would this would be s- would be baffling.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I mean, we can't unimagine
1: original... Ulysses now, can we? No, that's the thing. Be so you can't.
3: That, who Who read Daedalus yeah For whom Joyce is completely new. Mm-hmm. And you know, books should always be a jump-off point to somewhere yeah. else. So I think you know. You'd, I think the book is all the richer yeah. for knowing Ulysses, but at the same time, it shouldn't.
2: And Ulysses isn't for everyone, but it is for anyone. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's no barrier to admission. It, yeah, a
1: <laughs> book for all and everyone.
2: For all and everyone, I think if you get past the gag reflex of Telemachus, if you go if you go straight in with Leopold Bloom, Neil.
0: <laughs> no, I I I I have navigate. finished it. Yeah. Oh. I, no, I find um, Good. Telemachus yeah. so entrancing. Good. Yeah. Um, that I've read it 30 times. I mean, 30 times. I fi- I, the language and the... Yeah, I mean, absolutely entrancing. And in the same way, I think that's what... That's my way into Daedalus, is that he performs the same he entrancing... Um, you know, the, 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 the poetry, the syntax, the... Whatever, he, he performs the same thing. So I, I swim in... On the same on the same wave, and I get
2: the impression though that lots of readers who give up give up because of Telemachus, and they get to I don't know agon bite of Inuit, and that's it. They throw the book across the room and, and look for something. I, I mean, I find that, I find
0: I find Leopold Bloom after after about three or four pages of Bloom when he almost moves into one word sentences, whatever. I find that that's my 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 point where I'm I'm I. I I feel slightly alienated hmm. um uh because I'm just I, it feels to me slightly yeah I, I'm, I'm I'm
2: it yeah. seems a li- even I think a little bit quaint, a lot of the techniques Joyce uses, Molly Bloom's soliloquy in particular, but also some of the some of the techniques of one word, as you say, one word, standing for an awful lot. Um, but that just goes to show how far we've come since Ulysses and what a kickstart Joyce gave to the novel in 1922.
0: Well, there would, be, there would have been a no, no girl is a half form thing without that. Um, no. Shall we move very
1: very on to the next? Sorry, <laughs>
0: No. Um, um, no,
2: it's true. I mean, I mean Emma McBride, you, like Chris McCabe, yeah. did not suffer from the anxiety of influence. She read Ulysses famously on a commute from Tottenham to yeah. the city of London, <laughs> uh, and in her lunch hour. And it, it, for her at least, was a way into writing exactly, exactly as she wanted to. She realised you could do anything,
0: yeah,
2: um, and you could render. we all the better for it.
0: I mean, in a sense, going back to the, uh, to, to to murmur. I mean, it, uh, the thing about um, the bits of Ulysses is about it. it that is about rendering consciousness consciousness as a a kind of slightly random slightly chaotic slightly disparate mm. set of thoughts that are that are coming at you rather than saying you know, rather than as, no, as novelists or writers organizing consciousness mm. it's letting it it's letting it reveal itself on the page in ways that we now know with neuroscience is in fact how we think it is only, we have this moment, where we only think we think in full sentences when we reflect on what we think. Mm-hmm. And so we can't capture the bit of thinking, a, which is in fact just almost kind of like uh, 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 it, it's, I mean, I can't remember what there the is a word for it, where we, we, we literally kind of go, you know, door, glue. Whatever, and that's how we arrange. Uh, yeah. We get through the world, and then we kind of go, "What were we thinking?" Oh, we were thinking the wall is blue. Yes, the door is open. No, we don't. No. And so he, he you know, he he was uh, 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 he he rendered consciousness um, in a way that actually we now know is 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 more uh, more the case. And and I think with a um, girl is a harmful thing, she's doing the same thing well she thing. took it
2: even further at the point just before thought becomes articulate speech yes, so she exactly. dug a little deeper yeah. and came up with something very spiky and radical yeah. and brilliant, an yeah. yeah. um, advance on Joyce if you like, but without Joyce who knows whether she would have arrived at the same thing in the same way
0: exactly, ok um, now we come to uh, uh, a book, um, Doppelganger by um, uh, Dasa Drinich um, uh, two two a short story and a novella. Um, this is published by Istros Books, which... Publishes one short
3: story in a novella.
0: Yeah, yeah one short story in a novella. Um, Istros Books, which publishes uh, Balkan literature, brings Balkan literature to um, uh, the UK. And this has been translated from the Croatian by S.D. Curtis, who I believe is the publisher of Istros Books, and Celia Hawksworth. And I, I think I speak for for for, for three of us, but not for, not for Niven, who who will lead on this. That that, that she is a a novelist that um, we didn't know. Is that right?
1: New, I um new of right. her. I had read some of her. I, I mean, th- she died last year, yeah. so
2: as as did Eileen Battersby, the the great Irish yeah. critic. A sad loss. And uh, my awareness of Dasha Durditch was was a, one of the last things Eileen Battersby it wrote was about. For the FT, And yeah. I I remember sort of putting that on my mental to be read. F- uh, list at the time, and sadly, both of them have been sev- taken from Several,
1: us now. yeah, very, very sad. And several books, I think, before *Never Speaks came out, from this author, but published by different publishers. So this is the one that we've got. And, and it's, to...
0: and, and, but I was going to say that, that 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 you and I, who hadn't read anything, just were sort of stunned. <laughs> Neil is
2: looking at me now. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. Oh, we, we, were God, stunned, yes. we were stunned. We
0: were just thought, where has this voice been? How have we not discovered it? And how are we not going to read all that she's written?
2: Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want to pre i what everyone's going yeah, yeah. to say, but couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. A, a German I mean, title by an author whose name we're not entirely sure how to pronounce. She's fearless. She's
3: absolutely fearless. This is this is a really good entry into her work because mm. the other three novels are all really, really long. Right. Um, right. <laughs> what I like about... I mean, these are... Bu- there's one short story one novella they're really sh- sort of short and to the point mm. um and they're really you know they're brutal they're visceral they're massively not sentimental um they're about history but they're not weighted down by history Very they upend your expectations yeah. again of what you expect um
0: they're they they're playful and haunting at the same time. And quite revolting time. as well. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. There's
2: so
1: I mean, I don't know if you want to expand may, on that. May anything. I
0: read a, a short paragraph?
3: Yeah,
1: I do. Even
0: or, or you can if you prefer. No, you
2: do. Um, this is from page one <laughs> um, of Doppelganger, the first short novella. Um, there are three rubbish containers under the window. That's where poverty's gathered together. Below his window, drunken women gather. Cats gather. Life gathers down below, beneath his window. He is above, watching, all shat up. His penis is withered, all dried up. The panes are loose. The wood is bare and rotten. Between his buttocks, it's slippery, warm, stinky. It stinks, sliding down the leg of his trousers, down both. He squeezes his buttocks. He walks and squeezes. A petit pas. He puts on a nappy. Looks through the window, here comes darkness, there goes the day. I mean no, that satisfies that. any taste you may have for the well, harsh barbecue.
3: Just to <laughs> qualify that, so that, that story is Arthur and Isabella and it's 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 really the story of a conversation between two old people who meet in the street very, very late at night. Um, And, you know, what I love is the erasure of so many boundaries, you know, in terms of propriety, how they think of themselves, how they think of their bodies, because they're at the end of their life, so, you know, everything, everything that, um, you know, they're not held back by anything, and that very much comes through the conversation between them, I think it's phenomenal. And you know, it's completely shocking. It's hard to be shocked in books. It these is days. very but, yes. and it's...
2: shocked by the idea of extreme old age, but with an erotic pulse.
1: I think that's and what... its ugliness
3: and and. Yeah,
1: sorry. Yeah. I think that's what I mean. Yeah, but it's it, not a
3: gimmick. This is no. totally, yeah. real, it's totally real, and you are there.
1: What is extraordinary is it is shocking, but it doesn't make you want to stop reading, you yeah. know? And I think that was what I found. I was just sitting, oh, OK, and then and then it was kind of, wow, but this is really powerful stuff. It's, there's and no
2: consolation. There's no really feel-good message in this, but it's, no, it's very but important but for that reason, I think, it, it, a beneficial it, shock to us all. As yeah, readers.
3: I mean, and this, oh. the second story, well, is, is a novella, um... And it sort of has sort of slightly more absurdist tendencies. But there is this... She's just brilliant at creating unease. Mm. And you just feel so uneasy throughout this whole um, story as it develops, which is the story of um, a guy's relationship with his family, um, with his brother and his brother's wife after his father dies. Um, And the sense of unease is just... Mm. He's you called, know, she just cranks it up all the way through. It's called Incredible. Prince,
2: which is a name that never quite yes. <laughs> coincides with its owner.
0: It, it
3: has, it has, it,
0: has a, it has a deeply Central European feel to it, and I can't—I mean, I, you know—I don't know whether it's just to be banal, it's kind of Kafkaesque, but it does feel as though it comes out of a tradition mm. where where everything—and whether it's through you know, kind of communism, whatever—everything is everything is slightly shifting under people's feet. No one is quite who they say they are. No relationship is quite what it's supposed to be. His perceptions of things shift. And then she moves into, then she doesn't mind interrupting the narrative entirely and giving us, um, you know, uh, more kind of historical detail in in very odd ways. And so as readers- Which is
3: characteristic of her fiction. She's constantly reminding you of the disappearance of history within a shifting Europe, yeah. particularly in terms of, you know, the atrocities of what happened during the war, mm-hmm. and I've, you know, in, in terms of how communities revise mm-hmm. their sense of history mm-hmm. and the fact that there's characters who've, who are still so rooted in history who stubbornly fight against that. So that's a really interesting dynamic. One of many, that she harrowing, carries. One of
2: many harrowing moments is, is a point at which. Uh, it's during a, a, a sort of a, a gerontophilic sexual episode, a list of, an alphabetic list from A to Z of all the German, that's to say, Nazi-era German words which have now penetrated our culture, every one of which is familiar to us, mm, mm. but German words which have a particularly evil resonance, needless to say. Um, and one, one works through the list doggedly and rather horrified to realise, yes, I know exactly what these words mean, all of them, all of Mm. these horrible vile words that are of that period, but it's embedded within this extraordinarily humane, human and and unsettling and and, and frightening story of age and sex and death
0: But there's there's also an element of farce
3: Oh, I mean, yeah, you yeah, said yeah. about Absolutely. the absurdist. Yeah. Thing. yeah. yeah. And right. you know, people are moving in and out of Yeah, there's out, lots of uh, slamming doors yeah, and yeah. moving furniture and, 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 lots and, of agrar- hats. and, you know, Squabbling. the sense of absurd comes from this sort of growing sense of, of his powerlessness. Mm. Um, mm. You know, he has no agency. You know, he's really, mm. you know, he, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. he keeps up appearances of life. course you know, yeah. but
2: going, going to galleries in his two Pierre Cardin shirts <laughs> and but so. then, and,
3: but
0: then, then it, what's interesting is she, she, there, you have this at some point the well, third of the way through we have this um, back story of, of, of a really rather nice relationship he has as a child with a, with a girl who lives down the, the, the road but then that just sort of just she goes off and does it. Actually, goes on and lives the life he was supposed to live.
1: The double again, yeah. isn't it? And, and uh,
0: but we know It's never. There's no. There's no closure in in any no. of these mini narratives.
3: No, because I think she writes or she wrote. In a, she was. You get the sense of when she was writing, she was constantly thinking beyond the story and I think out of all the books on the shortlist this is the book that you really feel the writer's hand quite heavily in it because Mm. she's telling you a story but then she says hold on I want to tell you about you know I'm going to Mm. give you this list of vocabulary this is important and then Mm. I'm going back to this and you constantly feel her shifting attention and her shifting priority within the story Mm. and her intent that you should read her intent.
2: Yeah did she remind she reminded me certainly of Agatha Christoph when it comes to harshness and an unblinking, unyielding sense of, of of just
3: how
0: barren life can be. But in Barren Bar- he, 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 when he's bouncing around the city But they're very
3: self-contained. He, this feels yes. far more kind of encyclopedic. You feel that she really wants to chronicle everything.
1: There's this great line that really sums the whole I'm not a believer, Mr. Dvorsky. I only sell other people's belongings, and I, if in a way—that kind of sums up the writer's <laughs> intent. There, you know. Yeah, that's
0: very um, good. Good But he's—he's oh, he's quite indomitable, isn't he? Mm. He's trying to—he's sort of trying to make sense of his, you know, immensely obese opera singing mother, her clothes, the father. I mean, there's even the, the the rooms he lives in change. He's, he's exclusively yeah. dispossessed yeah. by, by, yes, by his predatory mean, relatives. Yes. Isn't yes he, um, uh, 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 so it's it's but but he's he keeps going. I mean, he doesn't you know anyone else would, in a sort of Kafkaesque sense, you know, would end up just. You know, dead on the side of a road. Well, he sort of. Yeah, he
1: well, does, he, well, sort he, of, I think, he literally
2: bangs his head against.
1: His it's wall. probably easy to um, see this yes. in yes, a but way. He
0: does, but he also he ends up he ends up living in a in mm. a hu- in a kind of cave in the zoo, doesn't
1: mm. he? Yeah, he does. He goes. He likes he likes his zoo. He feels with, safe. With the feels yeah. safe with the rhino. But but also I think it's easy quite easy to see this as a metaphor. We talked about Balkan history and a sort of that kind of those layers of the strata, the layers mm. of history that we've got, and we're also thinking about the kind of Eastern European novel, which is goes so far back into folktale as you know which I think I can sense a lot of that yes, in this think, not just yeah. the kind of you know we talked about you know communism or, or the atrocities not just in the war but obviously more recently you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. 20 plus years ago uh, so I think you know that's all there and I think she's yes. absolutely trying to she's uh, trying to we shove we it all in we I imagine that she's so. a
2: Croatian writer I don't know yeah did I think we, yeah. Did we, did we yes. so I think we
1: need to sort of think about you know what, what we how we interact with that most recent history as well when yes. we're reading this yes. book. Um,
3: and what she thinks and, and the sort of sanctity of what the the same she gives she gives to characters in terms of how they think of life mm. yeah. and that you know his the fact that he keeps on going is way down I think by, by history by the fact that people around him have died and you know
1: exactly she was, just, she was the huge you know, discovery the, like, for
2: me of, the, of all the books on, on, on the long list That's so thanks for that Neil and thanks uh, I, it, I want to read everything I can at least in English
0: but I really feel she as though is. I want a proper gap in and to take her I don't want to I don't want to have to kind of read her books at pace mm. I want to kind of make sure that I have a kind of gap in my reading and go actually I'm just going to because I think there's there's, there's, a, there's a richness there that 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 is that deserves respect and attention and I you know I, certainly my, my, and a very my, substantial my, body of yeah, work and my, yeah. my cluttered reading life doesn't allow <laughs> for for that very often these days well
2: she and Will Eves both have a substantial back catalogue and the other writers only either debut writers or on the second novel. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and a yeah. point. But um, did you write for theatre at all, do we know? Dasha Durndich would...
1: Oh, <laughs> I was I was Sarah Kane comes
2: you, to you, mind... She went when, to the US, didn't she?
0: It. And, and was, I think she was working in broadcasting in
1: She did, in the University of Southern Illinois... Because if Kitsch uh, would make a film, did this, did no, she was a TV program theatre. editor in right, grade, okay.
2: so. I think Doppelganger could be either an opera or, <laughs> or possibly well, a theatre piece, an novels. experimental theatre piece.
1: and Trieste, which everybody seems to write about these so- days. Shiner's,
2: I think, it was called, wasn't it? The, 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 uh, again, I'd love to read that. And, uh, we'll quite a lot sometime.
0: of Euro- central European literature always feels as though it could belong on the stage. Yes. <laughs> it, it always has a kind of a quality of of it's a, uh,
1: of, 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 of you're right, yes, David. Exactly. She was a playwright as well.
2: Playwright. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think
1: you're a, absolutely a real, right real with find, that. Can, that sort yeah. of dialogue as well, that kind of whip smart dialogue that you have throughout the book. Yeah, she has a
3: great sense of placement in terms of how characters mm. you know mm. react to each other and just their physical space.
2: And an uns, unsparing eye for physical detail, hmm.
3: and
1: all its revulsion. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, uh, that's, yes, yes, it's, it's, it's a wonderful book. Okay, I, I, I will, I will draw to a close there because we've we've we we've, we've gone over the, the allotted <laughs> time, which that's fine. Um, it's been great. Thank you very much, um, uh, and as always, uh, thank you to Doofus. Who play us in and who will play us out? And uh, yes, yeah, so Catherine, David, some. Niven, um, uh, obviously uh, as judges you've been a, you've been a delight, and I, I, I thank you on behalf of the the, the, the prize. Thank you for um, asking. Uh, thank no, not you. At all. Yeah, thank um, you, and I hope, I hope it's been I hope it's <laughs> I hope it's been bearable. Um, all right, thank you, night